Hello once more, friends, and welcome on into a surprise, a bonus episode of The Sco Show. I'm Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for episode 58 of The Sco Show, and I'm recording this late Sunday night, mostly because I had to move on. The way the Patriots ended their regular season, the way episode 57 of The Sco Show went down, all of that just didn't sit right with me. I had posted in the Sco Show Slack channel that I was going to post the post-game episode and then forget about football for a while. And that lasted all of roughly 45 minutes. Because then I sat down, I turned on Game Pass, I turned on the film and started looking at the Titans. So what we're going to do in a, a quick little show here, we're going to take a look at their offense. And in particular, two players, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, what they've been doing down the stretch how they use those players, where they excel, what they do well, and how the Patriots might look to sort of contain them as we start planning for Wild Card Weekend. But before we do all that, some reminders that I didn't do in the previous episode because I was so kind of, um, yeah. Um, follow me on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit. And... Yes, Rivals.com, covering the Minnesota Golden Gophers in the Outback Bowl. Got a write-up on them going up, write-up on Auburn actually going up, so you can check that out. If you're a Gophers fan or if you just want to support the work, whatever floats your boat. Let's start with A.J. Brown. And as I said, recording this on Sunday night, so final stats aren't in yet, but I have calculators. And so I can tell you that even though ESPN and Pro Football Reference haven't updated and populated their stats for the season, I can tell you that A.J. Brown had 52 receptions on the year for over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. And he got over that 1,000-yard mark with a four-catch, 124-yard day against the Houston Texans in Week 17 that included a touchdown. He is by far their most targeted receiver ahead of Corey Davis and Juno Smith and Adam Humphreys and Tarjay Sharp and Delaney Walker. He's averaging 19.3 yards per reception, which is a lot. He's going to be a problem. I went and looked at, started in week 14, their win at Oakland. And that's sort of where I started my film review of these guys, both Brown and Henry. And what sort of jumped out at me watching A.J. Brown was that a lot of what people were saying about A.J. Brown coming out in the draft process is playing out in front of our eyes here as he's transitioned into life as a rookie, as a rookie wide receiver in the National Football League. The route running is there. Even though that Mississippi offense wasn't the best sort of scheme by which you would want to evaluate quarterbacks, for example, and tight ends and wide receivers, he can run the full route tree. I'm extremely impressed with what I want to call sort of the economy of footwork. They love to run him on deep out routes. He seemed to do against, for example, Oakland in that Week 14 game, some of his most damage working towards the middle of the field. He had a catch early in that game in the first quarter, a dig route out of the slot. 
And then he had a touchdown pass on a post route, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Then he runs sort of a, a crosser from a tight split. And again, you can't really... We'll get into some more film study with him, but you can't really guess what he's going to run based on his alignment because he'll run crossers and in cuts from tight alignments. He'll run out routes from tight alignments. You, you can't really tell. But he had another crosser in another touchdown on a slant route where he split wide, runs a slant, catches it, absorbs multiple hits, yardage after the catch, touchdown. I was very impressed with his game against Oakland. But then I turn on his game in week 15 against Houston, and you see him running some speed out routes against off coverage. Most of these came late in the first half when they were trying a two-minute drill situation. And to see him extend separation against off coverage while slowing down, in a sense, and making his cut on a deep out route was extremely impressive. Because you would think, you know, as you're changing direction, you're releasing vertical, you've got a full head of steam, then you cut to the outside, you're going to lose some momentum, you're going to lose some speed. And especially against a defender who's playing you with off coverage, once he sees you turn that deep, he knows you're not running the double move, he can just break on that. You would expect him to lose separation on that break. But his footwork is so fluid getting into and out of those cuts, the economy of footwork, that he's actually able to extend his separation on those moments. And so I was extremely impressed with him there. If you want sort of a, a great example of that, you know, against Houston Week 15, third quarter, third and five at the 1401 mark, another speed out route, very good at running this route, economical, no wasted steps, gets separation on his brakes, even with that change of direction. And so... He runs the absolute full route tree. He also adjusts extremely well to the ball. Against Houston, also in the third quarter, third and three play at the 11.46 mark, runs a slant route, the pass is thrown behind him, and he's able to slow himself up, reach back, make the catch, and as he's reaching back, he actually uses that to propel him into a spin, so he makes both the immediate catch, reaching back, and an immediate transition into a runner after the catch. Extremely impressed with him. I wanted to mention that 91-yard touchdown against the Raiders in Week 14. What was interesting about that play is, look, he ran 4-4-9. He's not like a slow guy. And he can get separation on vertical routes. This was a post-route he beats his receiver over the top. But what was interesting about this play, and I didn't notice it the first couple of times I watched it. It was only upon like the third or fourth time when I watched this play when I realized defender over him in press coverage alignment. This play comes out if you want to watch it. Second quarter, first and 10, 14, 16 mark. Again, of the second quarter, this is Tennessee at Oakland week 14. Defender number 20 over him in press coverage. There's a receiver in the slot who goes in motion. And when this happens, the defender over Brown in press coverage starts to drop, starts to backpedal. He thinks the ball is being snapped. And he 
doesn't immediately, shall we say, reset himself, doesn't immediately get himself back into press coverage alignment. And so as he's going through this process rather slowly of getting back into his stance, that's when the ball snapped. And so he's basically flat-footed at the snap. Brown beats him with a release, gets over the top, and it's a touchdown. I mention that because it's one of those little reminders that you get every so often, like, say, in Week 17 when your team chokes like a dog against the Dolphins, of just how thin the margin for error is in this league. This defender, who knows, if he doesn't sort of get that quick little backpedal, if he gets back into his stance quicker, if he does anything differently before the snap of this ball, Maybe he's step for step with AJ Brown. Maybe this isn't the 91 yard touchdown strike that has a Patriots fan like me instantly sort of reaching for the Pepto when he sees this play the first time. So I did sort of want to mention that. In terms of how to handle him, if you want to get a sense of what works against him, Turn on his Week 16 game against the Saints. He was matched up a lot with Marshawn Lattimore, who's a very good coverage corner. And A.J. Brown is a strong receiver. You know, good frame, six feet, you know, has good size to him, but he uses his frame extremely well. If you just give him a cursory shove or a cursory jam or just sort of jab or punch with one of your arms, he's going to run right through that. He's very good at using his frame to box out defenders in short areas. He can win in a phone booth, as we like to say about, you know, some of those receivers like Nikhil Harry, for example. But Lattimore was very good at getting a decent jam on him. And he held him to just one catch, one catch. And what also stood out to me was film study. And you could see the work that Lattimore had done in terms of studying A.J. Brown and getting a sense for the routes that he runs because I just got got done spending maybe three minutes on how well A.J. Brown runs the deep out route, right? There were two instances in this game. There was an out route in early third quarter, first and 20, 12.09 mark. Lattimore's in press and he matches the footwork incredibly well. As he makes the break, he's with him step for step. A.J. Brown has that great quick footwork. You might think, okay, now he's got a press guy with him. He might get that separation. No, he doesn't. And even better, Lattimore cuts under it. So he's in position to pick this off. Tannehill goes elsewhere with the throw. But he basically, it's running the route for him, right? It's a prime example of that. And earlier in the game... Late first quarter, first and 10, 4.56 mark. This is where they run an out route out of a condensed formation. And maybe Lattimore at this point is thinking, I know he's got an inside tight split. He's at the top of the numbers. He's probably going to run an out route, right? And he runs it. He recognizes the out route. Again, runs the route rhythm, gets under the break. He's step for step with him and then undercuts the route. Tannehill has to go elsewhere with the ball. And so those plays really impressed me. And again, I haven't watched all, you know, 102 or whatever of his targets. But I didn't see many double moves. 
And especially if you see your receiver break to the boundary at a depth of about 12 to 15 yards, he's probably not running a double move then. And so you can be pretty confident that you can jump that. And so I did want to highlight that. Lattimore's game against him was very impressive. The ability to jam him and ride him, that does sort of get him off of his route path, which works. And Lattimore's job on those two out routes in particular really stood out. I did want to close with this. I know I'm not just saying this because Stephon Gilmore struggled against Devontae Parker. But I do wonder, is this a game where we see the old Belichick, other defensive coaches obviously did this as well. I forget, people often say that there was another defensive coach that did this, but you take your best guy, Stephon Gilmore, and you put him on a Corey Davis. And you take a guy like, say, J.C. Jackson, and you put him on A.J. Brown with some dedicated help. It might be one of those games. What first put that little bug in my mind was I was rereading his draft profile on NFL.com, and the comp for him was Juju Smith-Schuster. And it reminded me of a game last year when J.C. Jackson first started coming into his own, in a sense, where he was basically left on an island with Juju and fared pretty well. And so that skill set might be a good matchup. The other thing that really solidified this idea in my head, a second and two play at the 630 mark against New Orleans in the third quarter. Lattimore's impressed coverage alignment over A.J. Brown. And they basically run zone with a meg look backside, man everywhere he goes, on Corey Davis to the other side of the field with Eli Apple. They're so worried about A.J. Brown that pre-snap, Lattimore is pointing to the mid-safety in the middle of the field and then pointing right back at A.J. Brown, basically saying, you, him, look, A.J. Brown is right here. And here's what happens. They run basically a slant-flat combination. Lattimore jams A.J. Brown, rides him as long as he can, basically until the last second, then peels off to the flat to handle his own responsibility. As that's happening, both the free safety and one of the linebackers bracket A.J. Brown in the middle of the field. They jam him as long as they can with the corner, and then you get a linebacker safety bracket over the top of him on a five-yard slant route. And while this is happening, Corey Davis is beaten Eli Apple on a deep comeback route for a huge game. And so all the attention that they played, your top cover corner and the bracket and all of that, and you take away A.J. Brown in this five-yard slant route, but you're still giving up a 23-yard gain on the other side of the field. And I know all of us have the inclination that A.J. Brown is good, so is Stephon Gilmore. There you go. But might this be an opportunity to go in a different direction? We're going to use two players on A.J. Brown to take him away, but we're going to then have our best guy take away your number two, and then we like our numbers. And so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a lot more Stephon Gilmore on, say, Corey Davis than A.J. Brown. Now, having said that, I'm sure I'll be completely wrong. Look, it's going to be a long week. It's been a long Sunday. I'm just trying to move on to Tennessee. And we're going to move on to Derek Brown. I mean, Derek Brown. Derek Henry in a second. I'm going to talk about the NFL's leading rusher this season, what he does well, how the Titans use him, and perhaps how the Patriots can sort of slow him down. And that's ahead on episode 58 of The Sco Show.
Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 58 of the Sco Show. And I guess, look, before we get into Derrick Henry, it's probably fair to point out that we're doing two shows now in the span of roughly eight hours because it's playoff time. And usually we get, you know, a post-game show and then two other shows, but it's playoff time. So we might get, you know, two more shows in addition to this, three more shows, who knows? It might be a situation where I just sit down, I see something cool on film, and I record a show. You might get some five-minute shows. Who knows? But the holiday break is over. Unfortunate the way it ended, but we move on to Tennessee. And we move on to the NFL Russian leader, Derrick Henry, who, if you think back, I remember his draft process, and it was one of the more fascinating, fascinating prospect debates. Again, what we do is so meaningless and pointless. Crazy. But the debate over Derrick Henry and where to pick him and what kind of value he had as a prospect. I remember people saying that they wouldn't touch him before day three just because of the value or lack thereof that comes with a running back. But the things that made him an interesting prospect and somebody that people might want to draft earlier than that, say, in the second round, like the Titans did, are the things that have been on display this season and certainly down the stretch. And that's vision, that's power, that's burst. And yes... The size is incredible. I think back to that. It was one of the national championship games where Mark Ingram, formerly an Alabama running back, was out for the coin toss with Derrick Henry, and Henry just was towering over him. It's like, this guy's playing a a different sport. And so, yeah, the size is there. But the speed, the vision, the power, the burst, extremely impressive. And he clinched the Russian title somewhat in style. You look at what he did down the stretch against Houston in Week 17. He had a run for 23 in the fourth quarter where they ran sort of what what's like a counter toss, basically. They show eye formation. It looks like it's going to be a lead to the right side of the offense. It's one of those with the quarterback reverse pivots. Looks like he's going to hand it off, but then does a little option-type toss, flip. To Henry running to the left edge. Linebackers got him dead to rights. But he just outruns him. Gets to the edge, bursts upfield, gain of 23, huge gain. And a little bit later, the run to clinch the Russian title, a 53 yard touchdown run on what's basically just lead zone to the left behind a fullback, makes the bend read. Cuts it back, has the vision to see a crease, bursts through it. Nobody touches him. And I think that more than anything else is what scares me about this upcoming game is his ability to find and exploit even the tiniest of creases as a ball carrier. His week 14 game, he has a a run on a first and 10 where it's just a zone lead again. Fullback in front of him. 
zone to the left, tiny little crease, is able to get skinny through it, explode through it. Huge gain. In their Week 15 game against Houston, he had another huge run on his own lead by the fullback. The fullback does a great job. The run fit was extremely slow. Houston, the Texans, they run sort of a, a stunt up front with linebacker in one A-gap, cuts to the other A-gap, and so the opposite linebacker has to fill that A-gap run fit. He gets there a step late. Fullback blows him up. Henry cuts off of it. Huge game. And so this brings me to where we sort of were against Baltimore a, a couple of weeks ago and run fits. And I will be the first to admit that run fits are not my expertise. I'm. It's probably atop my list other than finally learning Sabanese this summer to at least get a better basic understanding of run fits. And, you know, you could piece it together, replays and things like that, but I need to figure it out. And it's unfortunate that I don't have that understanding because it's going to be massive this week and potentially massive yet again if the Patriots somehow get to an AFC Championship game against Baltimore. Because run fits are going to be huge against this Tennessee-Russian attack. Because Henry has the vision to exploit the smallest creases, like I've talked about. He has the power and the burst to run through the smallest creases. And so you have to fit every run and play almost perfectly against them. Because if you don't, Henry is going to make you pay. And it, so it, it sort of brings it back to the A.J. Brown discussion, right? How are you going to defend A.J. Brown? Well, you probably can't afford to play cover two against this team because that's going to take a man out of the box. And so you're probably going to have to play cover one because you want to have that extra box defender to sort of help you in those run fits against Derrick Henry. So you pick your poison. What are you going to do with A.J. Brown in response to that? And so... Not that the Titans are that proverbial team nobody wants to face, but they might be. They're going to make it tough for you when you're on defense with what they can do. And they can get vertical with A.J. Brown out of 21-22 personnel. They have been extremely effective at run and play action with Ryan Tannehill, who we'll talk about later this week. And so they're going to pose some problems. But sitting here late Sunday night, I'm thinking a lot of cover one, some bracket type stuff. I mean, with, with J.C. Jackson and some dedicated help on Brown, Gilmore and the other receiver, whether it's Davis, whether it's Sharp, to lock them down. You're going to have to deal with the tight ends. They do some 12, they do some 11. I mean, looking at the numbers here, plays with 12 personnel. Two wide receivers, two tight ends, 30%. And that's not counted week 17. Those numbers aren't up yet. But through 16 weeks, 30% of their plays were out of 12 personnel. Throw it out of 12, the Tennessee Titans. 
108 dropbacks, 99 attempts, 65 completions, passer rating of 131.28 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 11.4 yards per attempt, 7.7 air yards per attempt. But rushing? 159 rushing attempts, 4.9 per carry out of 12. And again, they do it 30% of the time. Only a handful of teams run it more. Philly, who runs it more than anybody out of 50, and it makes sense with Ertz and Goddard. Houston, they do it 32% of the time. Minnesota with 36, that's it. You know, they're primarily an 11 personnel team. And they throw the ball slightly better out of 11 than 12, but just slightly. Matter of fact, they have more yards per attempt and air yards per excuse me. They have more yards per attempt out of 12 than they do 11. They have more air yards per attempt, 8.8 as opposed to 7.7 out of 11 versus 12. Either way, they can throw out of 12. They can run, obviously, out of 12. They're going to pose some problems. Like I said, in episode 57, postgame, it's going to be a long week. But that will do it for my second show on Sunday. What can I say? I had to put that one behind me and put it to bed. I'll be back at some point this week, probably on Wednesday, a New Year's Day show. Who knows, if, if the music gets me, if the mood hits me, maybe I'll get another show out before then, but I'll be back before this game, believe me. We've got a lot of work to do to get ready for it. Until next time, friends, please keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.